The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, Crosswinds is where I play golf, and you should too. You can book your tee time online and save big. Go to crosswindsgolf.com, and I'll see you there. Mike, let's start the show. Bit of a delay there, eh? Before when I say start the show and then the show starts. One second. That's one and a half seconds. <laughs> That's too much. Let's tighten that up. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. Episode number Jean Beliveau, Bobby Orr, Brett Favre, Lou Gehrig. Just add a hundred and you know what number I'm talking about. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher. I never thought I'd be saying this, but <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying the Toronto Raptors can eliminate the Milwaukee Bucks with one more win. Did you Hebsy, are you out of your mind? What are you? But it's smoking. What? Oh, it's true. <laughs> they've what? They, excuse me. They've won three straight games against the Bucks. No. How could that be? What do you? Toronto's a basketball town. Come on, Leaf Town. Hey, there's room for both. There's room for every team. As long as you're winning, we're going to jump on the uh, basketball bandwagon, baby. Uh, the Blue Jays got waxed by the Red Sox, losing three of four at home, and raising questions as to uh, Charlie Montoyo's ability to put a decent lineup together. Milos Raonic is out of the French Open. See, I, I, I completely forgotten about him. So this is news to me. I, he hasn't played since March. I'm thinking Shapovalov, uh, Felix uh, Ogialiasim, Bianca Andreescu. You know, the kids, the youngsters, not the old guys. Anyway, Milos won't be in the French Open. DJ Smith is the new coach of the Ottawa Senators. Heaven help DJ Smith. The St. Louis Blues get to meet the Boston Bruins for the first time since 1970. By the way, none of the players on either team uh, this year were on that 1970 team. <laughs> yeah, really, they're like none. Sanderson or Esposito, no. None playing for the Bruins this year. No LP card, no. Glenn Hall, no. Uh, no. But even so, they're going to meet in the Stanley Cup Finals beginning June the what? When does that start? Anybody know? When's Yesterday. The next? No. Not till Monday, for gosh sake. So we'll get into it on Monday's show. Uh, and also, Hockey Confidential brought to you by Titan Blades. Canada teaches the Swiss a little something about time. You get it? The Swiss watches run on time. Boy, do they ever. With four-tenths of a second to spare. Canada wins! It's all ahead, but first, your trivia question brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, north of the 401. That's in Toronto. If you're from out of town... Get off the 401 at Bathurst, which uh, you can do that if you're going westbound on the 401. If you're going eastbound on the 401, there is no Bathurst Street exit. You have to get off at uh, the Allen and then cut over. But anyway, it's Panzer's Original Deli. And let me tell you something, delicious deli foods. Here's the question. It's baseball. Who hit the most home runs in Major League history while wearing jersey number four? Okay? Most home runs in Major League history while wearing jersey number four. The answer and a backstory coming up later in the show. And go to PantsersOriginalDeli.com for the finest in deli foods. I've been eating there for half a century. Look at me. Look. Honestly, Honestly, you're the best shape for a guy in his 90s. Thanks. I don't look like I'm in my 90s. That's the most (laughs) important thing. All right. So, folks, for those who thought the Toronto Raptors were dead when they trailed two games to none to the almighty Milwaukee Bucks who won the East this year, Best record in basketball, 60 wins and 22 losses, unstoppable, didn't, only lost two in a row once all season, blah, 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 blah. What do you think of the Raptors now? Honestly now, you pessimists, you cynics, you glass-half-empty folks, what do you think of them now? They're one game away from winning the East and going on to play the Golden State Warriors with home court advantage. Wait a second, Hebsy, don't get ahead of yourself. No, goddammit, I'm going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm going to get ahead of myself because this is what I'm going to tell you right now. Milwaukee's dead. Folks, they're not going to come back. This Raptor team gets better and better and better. And it's, it's not the shooting necessarily that's getting better, although Fred Van Vliet might uh, disagree. It's their defense. These guys play lockdown defense. You're not going to beat the Raptors' defense. I don't care. You better be shooting 50% for threes or you're not going to beat this team because the Raptor defense, after the first couple of minutes last night, where they committed three turnovers in the first while and they're down 14, after that, they committed three more turnovers. That's it. Six for the game, three in the first few minutes. That's how you win games. In football, you don't turn it over. No fumbles, no interceptions. Got it? In baseball, you don't make errors and give the other team runs. In hockey, you don't get stupid penalties and get beat by the power play. And in basketball, you don't turn the ball over. So that every single time you go down court, you hopefully take a pretty good shot. You get a good look. You're not taking dumb shots. You're not turning it over, making stupid passes or, or, or dribbling it off your foot or stuff like that. That's 
what the Raptors had been doing. They'd been making foolish mistakes. That's how you get down by 14 points in the first quarter. You missed four shots and you turn the ball over three times. Boom. What did Milwaukee have? A 22, was it a 20 to six lead? I think it was. That was your 14 point lead. And from that point forward, it really was all Raptors. And you know what? I was, I hate to say this, I wasn't the least bit nervous. Like I thought I'd be, oh my God. But after they had beaten them the last two games at home, I thought, you know what? the Raptors are going to find a way. They're going to stop Milwaukee at the key times in the game and late in the game. And they're going to make some, someone's going to make a shot. So when they were down by, when the Raps were down by 14 not, in Milwaukee, you yeah. never had any First flashbacks three of minutes, game two. No. Did, oh, okay, not at I all. I saw game two. Well, of course you did, and everyone did. But the thing is, is that what you Except didn't, you. what we didn't see was what the Raptors had learned from that game two loss, right? We were not in their shoes. So you think they were standing there going, uh-oh, this happened the other night. It's going to happen again. No, what they did was they had what it took to make sure that didn't happen. They understood it's a game of runs, that there's plenty of time. You're not going to get all 14 points back at once. You might get six of them back. And then you might do another run where you get another six back. And really, that's what happened because they did come back and then they trailed again by double digits. There are two occasions in the first half where they did. But I think, I mean, after, I I kept saying, look, if you're within three by halftime, if you're, because remember, you know, being down 10 or 12 or whatever, no good. But if you're within three points, I mean, that's a one possession game. That's nothing. And the Raptors have been a better team in the second half defensively. They haven't been knocking down the shots. There was a span, a stretch there where neither team could make a shot to start the second half. It was awful. Right. But the point is that every time Milwaukee came down, they were like, what do we do? How do we score? How do we get guys open? You know, they were lousy if they were 10 for 31 Milwaukee from three-point land. This is a team that lives and dies by the three-point shot. They live and die. And if they're hitting the threes, they're going to win most games. And if they're not, if somebody's got a hand in their face or they're changing their shots around or every possession's a difficult one and uh, the clock starts to run out on them and they're turning the ball over or 24-second violations or you got a hand in the face, there's Kawhi's hand, there's Gasol. Gasol isn't scoring much, playing great defense. This is what it comes down to. Kawhi's defense is sublime. Nobody wants to play against Kawhi. Like, nobody. I'll tell you this right now. When the Raptors knock off Milwaukee and they play Golden State, if Durant is even playing, and if he's not if he's not playing, what a break for the Raptors that is. Imagine home court advantage in the finals and no Kevin Durant for at least the first couple of games. I'm uncomfortable with you talking about the Golden State. Why? Versus, because we have to beat Milwaukee no, first. No, 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 no. See, this is it. They're going to beat Milwaukee. They're not going to shoot. The Raptors are not going to shoot themselves in the foot like the Maple Leafs did. They're not. They're not the same kind of team. And their opposition isn't bought the Boston Bruins. Milwaukee has shown. See, they, once, once they lost the lead yesterday, Milwaukee, they were done. They were exposed. You could see the panic on their faces. Look at the things that Giannis was doing. I mean, this is, this is an MVP defensive player of the year. No, he's rattled because he can't get to the hoop. He can't get his shots off. He can't do it. And, and if you're not making the threes, if your teammates aren't bailing you out with threes, I mean, they were, uh, I, think, I think the Raptors made twice as many threes as Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the three-point shooting team. And you can tell they're not an inside team. If they can't make that three, uh, and the way the Raptors swarm on defense, Giannis is getting frustrated. He can't carry the load. If Brogdon or um, uh, Bledsoe or Middleton aren't making the threes, or Brooke Lopez aren't making their three-point shots, man, they're, I'm going to tell you this right now, they're, they're there for the taking. They're there. They don't have the veteran experience. Look at the Raptors' experience, playoff experience. Kawhi, Gasol, Serge Ibaka. Remember Serge Ibaka? He played for OKC. They were down two love to the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Final a few years ago, and they came back. So these guys and Lowry are all using their experience and their storytelling ability to tell the other players, the Van Vliet's, the Norm Powell's, the Pascal Siakam's, what it's like when you get this deep into the playoffs. They've been there before. You think these conversations are going on in the Bucks dressing room? No. Because none of these guys know what it's like. They know what it's like to be in the playoffs and breeze through a regular season, 60 and 22, la-di-da, and home court advantage. Guess what? Home court advantage is gone. Gone. Gone, gone, gone. Now what do you do? You're going to tell me they're going to come back and go, sure, we can win in Toronto. It's easy to win in Toronto. Huh? No, it's not. But just a little reality check. Uh, Game three, uh, the... <laughs> the game Bucks three. Game, game three, three. Okay, let me think about the this. Bucks came within a whisker. Okay, yeah, of, of going up three nothing because it went to double overtime. That's it right. was oh my god, how close is that? And I'm all I'm here to be bring us down is that that first of all, fantastic win last night. Fred Van Vliet. I renamed my youngest son Fred. He's now Fred because what a performance by Fred Van Vliet last night. Amazing. Kawhi's Kawhi, and the defense was incredible as you said. And I'm optimistic about 
finishing this tomorrow night, game six. I am, but I'm not even thinking about Golden State versus Toronto till oh, we am. get that fourth win. Oh, I am. I am. <laughs> no, I tell you right now, I think the game. I think game six can be a blowout. I don't think Milwaukee's going to have oh, a chance. Oh, thank you. No, I don't think they're going to have a chance. My heart can't game. take a close. I don't think they're going to have a chance in this game, and I honestly cannot see the Raptors coming out and being completely flat. And if they are shooting wise, defense doesn't slump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're right. You may not be able to hit your shots. You may be one for twelve or whatever it is. But if you're playing this, the defense within the system and you're stop, you're making stops the other way. Yeah. You're contributing to your team's success. Defense doesn't slump. Where's Milwaukee's defense? Whoever said, "Oh, Milwaukee, what a great defensive team!" No, no one said that ever because they're a bunch of three point shooters. And this season, they were fantastic shooting threes all over the place. Best three-point shooting team in the league. High-scoring team in the league. Blah, 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 blah. P.S. Folks, Milwaukee was shut. They, they lost 105-99. Tell me how many times this year Milwaukee scored less than 100 points in a game at home. How about that? Huh. Well, about four times all year long. Wow. All year long held to under 100. This is a shooting machine. We said, I had said at the beginning of the series, the Raptors have to keep Milwaukee under 110 points a game. Under 100? That's a sensational defensive job. Because Milwaukee shot the ball pretty well. And they still couldn't score 100 points against the Raptors at home. And of course, you've mentioned this already, but first time all season that the Bucks have lost three games in a row. Yeah, worst time of the year to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So the Raptors are on a high. They're feeling good about themselves. The Raptors starters yesterday, okay? Listen to this. This yeah. is the starting lineup yesterday. Kawhi Leonard leads the way 35 points. He's a machine. 35 is nothing for Kawhi. We expect it. Is right? he the best uh, individual athlete on a Toronto team ever? Wow, let's, let me, I'd have to think about that. The best individual you know, It's hard to compare athlete. like a, an Alomar. It's can, hard to do well, that Well, can comparison. I compare Doug Gilmore's record-breaking season with, you know, that? I mean, is it the same? Because you're talking about three, four lines of hockey players. And they went just as deep right now, Several right? Three players. games into the, uh, three yeah. wins in the conference final. Yeah, but since basketball is more of an individual sport than any of the other ones, I would have to, there's only five guys on the floor, right? So, one, right. so you know, one guy, 20% of your lineup is doing all that. But here, so, so Kawhi's 35 points. He's 11 of 25 shooting, which is okay. Right. That's fine. No, no, about 40% or so. That's, that's fine. Um, but Pascal Siakam was 5 for 15. Marcus Hall was 1 for 6. Kyle Lowry, 4 for 11. And the invisible man, Danny Green, uh -huh. 0 for 3. So that's, folks, that's 21 for 60 from the field for your starters. That's 30, just under 35%. For your starting five, and you still win? Come on. You still win. I mean, you're right, Van Vliet was sensational, 21 points, 7 of 9 from 3. That's efficient. But let's face it, folks, you're not going to get that out of Freddie Van Vliet after every game unless his wife gives birth, <laughs> like, you know, twice a week. You know, and this guy, you know, he's running on fumes, he's running on energy, he's running on adrenaline. And Fred Van Vliet Jr., who was born in Rockford, Illinois. See, I thought, and, you know, this is just me, I didn't, I figured Mrs. Van Vliet was... You know, here in Toronto with her husband, living here in a condo or whatever, like a lot of the players do, the families. But I guess she stayed home in Rockford, Illinois. And so what happened was on the off day, Freddie Van Vliet flies from Toronto to Chicago, gets rents a car, or gets picked up or whatever, and then goes to Rockford, Illinois, just in time for the birth of Fred Jr. Yeah, gets uh, 37 minutes of sleep, okay? Sleep deprived, back on a plane, comes back home, boom, seven for nine from three. Folks, I'm telling you, Reggie Miller on his best day. <laughs> Okay, you're not going to get another performance like that. That's crazy. But compared to when he went 1 for 12 and 0 for 7 and whatever his record was before that, we all said the same thing. It's about time. It had to happen. But like that, in a key game like that, yeah. down the stretch like that, popping threes, and not just corner threes that are 22 feet long, long bombs, 26-footers, man, yeah. way up there. Beautiful. He's doing his Steph Curry impersonation. Uh, Pascal, so there's a, a, a comment on Periscope. Yeah. Blue Jays twit yeah. says, uh, Siaka missed many open uh, many close shots. Yeah, he's not a, you know what, Siakam does not have that three-point corner um, uh, uh, jumper going. But when he goes to the hoop, he's a different kind of player. I just think he, he overthinks it. And the other, the other thing is he gets really mad at himself and they have to calm him down. They have to calm down. Like the other day he said, you know, he said, oh, I did this, I turned it over, I wanted to kill myself. They're going, whoa, take it easy. This is where the veteran guys, this is where the guys like Ibaka especially, say, right. hey, man, you know, be cool. We understand that, but we're a team together. And so when you're not shooting well, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, just toughen up on defense, make the block when you have to, like he's done down the stretch. Look at the defensive plays, the gems that the Raptors have turned, uh, put together in the last few minutes of a game. The stops they've made, the shot clock violations they've forced on Milwaukee. Does Milwaukee look like that smooth team that had open looks and were bearing uh, three-pointers all over the place? Like in, what was it, in game 
was it game one or two? No, game one, where the Raptors had that big lead. They were running on adrenaline after Kawhi's, you know, four bouncer to go in. All right, and they looked great. They had a big lead in the second half. And then when they blew that, when Milwaukee started hitting those threes, everybody went, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is them. We can't make our shots. They're making their shots. But since game two, the blowout in game two, like, nothing. I don't see Milwaukee as a big threat. No, I'm sorry. And going into the series, especially in the American media, they said the best player in the game was the Greek freak. They said this is right. the best player in the series. No one's saying that anymore. I think no. it's very clear to everyone who watches this series that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in this series. Right. Here's another thing. How many people do you know that were saying, put Jeremy Lin in there whenever Van Vliet missed a shot, which was often. How many? Put, I didn't hear anyone. Put, you didn't hear people going, every time Van Vliet would miss, somebody would be like, what, where's Jeremy Lin? How come he's not playing? McCaw's been injured and, uh, and OG Ananobi's been injured. Yeah. So he's, he's working. He's got an eight-man rotation. Right, he's got uh, he's got Norm Powell, Serge Ibaka, and Van Vliet coming off the bench, and in most cases, it's because Danny Green just can't do the job right. in his position there. So I mean, he's got a tight eight man rotation. Kawhi, what was it, forty eight hours ago? He looked like he was going to have both legs amputated for crying out loud. Right, this ankle, that ankle, blah blah blah. These guys are tough, and don't kid yourself. Okay, a little cortisone shot before the game into Kyle Lowry's thumb or whatever it took. All right, to, you know, the lessen the pain because he's going through excruciating pain. They're asking right. him. They're saying, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. How much does it hurt? <laughs> like, you know, give me a degree of hurt. And then he's like, it hurts a lot. You know, what about when you take a pass? Is that, it hurts. How many ways can I say it hurts? Okay, we get it, Kyle. But I'm sure that, like I said before the game, you know, a pill or whatever they do, you know, they do to take the pain away. Yeah. And then once that wears off, when the game is over, it hurts that like hell again. But this is part of pain management that every athlete has to go through, but especially in the playoffs. Oh, speaking of management, all praise is due to load management because maybe that's why we have uh, yeah. where we are where we are. So yeah, yeah. for all those who complained about Pretty that, uh, Jonas had twenty four for the uh, Bucks, and they shot forty five percent from the field. Now, normally forty five percent that's not bad, but when it came down to crunch time, the Raptors' defense took over, forced the turnovers, uh, forced them into ten of thirty one from distance, which is all you know just horrible. And let's credit the Raptors with maybe the biggest stat of them all, a total of six turnovers and only three in the last 45 minutes of the game. That's remarkable. You're going to win most games, even if you're not shooting well. So good on the Raptors. And you know what they need now? They need for Kawhi to make up his mind right now <laughs> and accept that offer that some developer made of a free penthouse condo. You can have it for free. Kawhi, as if he's going to go, wait, wait a second. This changes my thinking. I mean, I'm going to sign for hundreds of millions of dollars, but what I really want is a free $5 million condo, uh, penthouse condo in Toronto. Like, that's going to make the difference. Like, ah, geez, I wouldn't be able to afford that on my own with the money I'm going to get from the Raptors. I need the freebie. I need to get, I, I need to accept this plus the free food that every restaurant in Toronto is offering for Kawhi. Oh, like, any sure. incentive to get him to stay. So he's going, geez, I can't decide between Los Angeles and Toronto, but... I got to tell you, free food and a free con and a free penthouse. Yeah, that'll make me stay, folks. That's not the way to do it. He's got to love it here. He wants to stay. He's got to want to stay here. Okay, not 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 taking bribes from people. Not going. Uh, can you imagine him going? Yeah, well, I I hadn't made up my mind, but that offer of the free penthouse that made me want to stay. He's not that kind of a guy. He doesn't care about that. Don't don't bother me with stuff like that. And don't bother me with these gift this gifting thing, because if you really wanted to gift somebody, you would gift Kawhi Leonard. Not that singer who sits courtside with a $750,000 diamond-encrusted jacket. You wouldn't give it to the guy who's already got $10 billion, right? Give it to the guy who you want to be making $10 billion here for the next number of years or whatever. Kawhi, give that gift to Kawhi. You I, see what I'm saying? That violates some uh, salary cap uh, rule, probably. You think so? Yeah. Gifting something? <laughs> I Say, think so. Oh, what about the condo? What about the Well, free? that's a good question. Right. If it's completely removed from oh, yes. MLSE, right. it's probably okay. All right, fine. All right. But that's just that other thing there. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, $750,000 is a nice shirt to have, a nice jacket to have. And that's marketing in 2019. Well, here, listen, I mean, who, who has had more FaceTime, except for Kawhi Leonard, who has had more FaceTime during this Raptors? Even series? yesterday, when the game was in Milwaukee, they kept showing uh, Jurassic Park, and yeah. Drake was going nuts on the stage. Well, I, was there, I was there the other night, so listen to this. I go to, I'll get to this in a sec. So I, uh, we, I went to baseball games, but the Tuesday night, we went to the Jays game, Jays and Red Sox, and then when the game was over, it was like early in the fourth quarter of the Raptors game, and everyone you know who was interested was keeping tabs on the Raptors game, and in that game, they, they were never trailing, really. They were up always by 10 or 12 or whatever so there was no panic you know raptors up by 10 at halftime yeah yeah and then 
when the Jays game ended, um, people were like, oh, okay, let's just walk a couple of blocks down Bremner Boulevard. And you're walking towards Jurassic Park in that big screen. Right. And it was wild because what happened was they've got Jurassic Park. Right, everyone, you got to get in there hours before game time. They close that pen after however many people they can put in there. They have another one just beyond it on sort of the other side of the street that you can still see. Yes, but it's not Jurassic Park. It's like the bleachers of Jurassic Park. The spillover. Right? It's the spillover. It's not the main stage. It's the side stage kind right. of thing. Right, but you can still see the big screen. And then the other night they had another one on the other side of York Street, so a good block and a half from Jurassic Park, and there's a pen. With, I'm telling you, I took pictures of it. I got to be another six, seven, eight hundred. And people. those guys can see a big screen, and they can see the big screen. Good. And what happens is, if you're walking back from a Jays game, or you happen to be walking through the neighborhood, the cops are like, "Oh, you can't stand here." Say, what do you mean? You tell me I can't stand on a street? No, you can't stand. Why? There's no traffic coming. You've closed off vehicular traffic. No, it's not fair to the people who are standing in the pen. Oh. Oh, really? So yeah, you're gonna have to get in the pen. So they said to me and my buddy, "You're gonna have to get in the." Is pen. that public property? <coughs> yeah. I don't so, think they so can So now here's the that. cops saying you gotta, you can't watch the game from here. You're gonna have to stand in the pen. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, there's thousands of people coming out of the Jays game. How do you? How right. do? How does 25 cops corral a few thousand people? <laughs> so we're like, you know, screw you. Not like, like not, not to the cops' face, but we're like, look. That's my team up on that thing. You're there. like arrest. That's me. my team. I'm going to watch with everybody else. And so maybe the cops shouldn't be spending so much time worrying about people who aren't inside the pen, or maybe they should just open the freaking street up instead of putting people in a pen. I just don't like that. Like, what's all that about? We want to watch the game. Why can't why can't stuff. everybody crowd around and watch a game? You know why? Okay. Security and safety. Oh, come concerns. on! It's all man. about that. Come on, we're Torontonians, man. We're we're peaceful people. We're fun loving people. We're not. Nobody's going to get into fights and stuff like that. Come on! I think they're worried about more serious stuff than fights. I like think. what? Yeah. Drugs well, being sold? That's legal. I now think it has to do with what pot. happened at the Boston Marathon. And uh, this is Toronto. I, I think what? it happens oh, oh, anywhere. How about this? A terrorist is in the middle of the pen of Jurassic Park. They don't, That's going to make a difference? They need to Are see. Are they checking them for bombs and stuff? Nobody's getting, there's no frisking being bags. done. They're not. <laughs> no. no, man. Go into the, they say, go into the pen. Not let me see your bag and, you know, before that. And by the way, that's another story. He's going through five levels of security, you know, to go to a ball game or to go to watch the Jurassic Park. Anyway. Right. Anyway, we left the ball game and it was magic, man. People were going nuts. It was fantastic being out in the streets. It was just great. And of course, it's like, can you imagine if they were to win the championship? What would it be like? I can't imagine winning game four of the conference final. So when that happens, I'll let you know what it was like. And hopefully we're talking about that Monday morning. All right. Now, here's a question. This happened. If you got offered a ticket to the game on Saturday, game six, an elimination game, a chance to clinch the Eastern Conference, uh, but only one ticket, and you had plans to go out with your significant other, but you got offered a ticket, would you go? First of all, I would never make plans to go out anywhere uh, during uh, a potential clincher game. Like, this is appointment viewing. I know where I'm going to be Saturday night. And I know who's going to be beside me. And with all due respect to my significant other, who I love with all my heart, my 17-year-old son is going to be by my side. And I would only go to the game if you gave me a free ticket, if you gave me two free tickets, because I'm not leaving that place. You're not getting two. You get one. You one ticket. I stay at home with my boy. You got a chance to go see an elimination game. I'd give it to you. What? I wouldn't take I wouldn't take it because if I go, I want to go with a friend. I want to go with someone who I can root to the game with. Not, not, not that the, no, other, ni- not that the other 19,000 people there wouldn't be friends, quote, quote, unquote. But I see what you mean. But when the question came up, I was like, I, I think I would. Like I thought about it. I said, you know, I think I kind of would. I'd like to be a part of this thing. And then I thought, you know, I've been to enough events before where it doesn't have the same effect on me. But those events were when I was covering them as a sportscaster, as a journalist, right? Not as a fan. Right. This is when different. I was a kid, before I ever got into the business, there was not, there was one game that I was at. It was a playoff game between the Leafs and Islanders. That would have maybe been the best, seeing it live as a fan, not as a journalist. I was at the Doug Gilmore game and they scored that. And I was, you know, but not, you know, not that. I, the last time I can remember that would have been Team Canada versus Russia in 87, Game three in Hamilton. But right. again, I had work to do. I was a journalist. I was a, I was a journalist. Um, and, and so my mind was divided. And, you know, I, I was cheering and going crazy and then going, wait a second, got to interview these guys afterwards. And then you got to be on Sportsline later. you got to talk about it, you know, uh, objectively as a reporter, as opposed to just going blah and drinking, you know, uh, oh, right. copious amounts of booze and with all the revelers, you know, marching down York Street in Hamilton going, yeah, Canada, woo you know, getting your picture in the paper, maybe your stuff like that. Didn't that used to be Hampshire? Didn't he used to be a somebody? <laughs> so, you know, you're all, I was always thinking that way. You know, listen, you're, rep- you're representing Global TV or whatever, whoever I was working for. And so I never could do that. But I know now 
that I do not have that affiliation anymore. That nobody's going to go, oh, look at Hepshire. What kind of a journalist is him? Look at him cheering and jumping on cars and lighting police cars on fire because the Raptors won. Look at him. <laughs> look at that guy. But it, there's something in me. It's a visceral feeling that it's just, I just want to cut loose all those years of not being able to, to root like a fan. And you're going to win a championship? But like I said, first we knock off Milwaukee, right. which is a done deal. They're going to win. They're going to win. And then, and then Golden State. Maybe no Durant. We got home court advantage. You never know. Kawhi is only getting better. I think he plays better the more he's hurting, the more pain he's in. Oh, like Hulk the, Hogan, remember? When, you yeah. know, when he was down, he was... Wounded! That's when he came. Exactly. Just like Hulk Hogan. Just like <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Here's your NBA 2018-2019 All-Star team. First All-Star team, the Greek Freak. James Harden of Houston. Steph Curry of Golden State's. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder forward Paul George. <laughs> Better than Kawhi? <laughs> That's a good one, but he made the team. And since you have to choose a center, and Jonas Valanciunas was not on the... Uh, Nik- uh, Nikola Jokic of Denver. Uh, that's your starting five. First team, NBA All-Star team. Eh. Second team, Philadelphia 76ers center Joel Embiid. Warriors forward Kevin Durant. Trailblazers guard Damian Lillard. Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving of Boston. And the NBA's third team is made up of Thunder guard Russell Westbrook, Pistons forward Blake Griffin, Lakers forward LeBron James, third team all-star, and Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert, along with Charlotte Hornets guard Kemba Walker. Now you might be saying, wait a minute, what about Clay Thompson? How does he not make the team? Kemba Walker is a fine player, but really? Well, Clay Thompson was pretty upset with that too, but he was very um, mature about it. He was very, well, that's their decision. I disagree with it. But you could tell clearly that he was, he didn't want to say it. He was like, Kemba Walker, really? He, he's the third. I didn't, even get to, <laughs> I didn't even get a sniff, the first three All-Star team? Really? And I'm, I'm, I'm going, like, really? You're telling me that Paul George of Oklahoma, who's a fine player, excellent player, you would take him over, over uh, Kawhi Leonard? It must be due to too many load management days. I never thought of that. So Kawhi made the so Kawhi made the second team because he only played sixty games. Right, that's the only explanation. Wow. That's okay, the, I'll, I'll accept that. By the way, the second the second team would soundly beat the first team if they played a game. That wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that, by the way, that's the no, All Star game right that? there. Shouldn't that's they do that at the at the end of the season? You have team the first All Star team against the second All Star. What do you do with the third team though? There, we got to get a, reserves. Maybe reserves. Yeah, I don't know. We'll no, but out. if you had the first all-star team play a game of five on five for like whatever, 10 minutes or something like that. Right. That would be great to see the, the, the top five is selected by the writers and whatever against the, and the broadcasters against the next five. That'd be a good one. All right. Let's go to uh, baseball now. So oh, I we're said, leaving basketball. I feel like this episode could just be what basketball. Else? <laughs> was, uh, any questions from the, uh, the viewing listening audience? Do you have any questions or comments you want to <laughs> go ahead? No, <laughs> no, seriously. You're a fan as much as anyone else. You're entitled. I want you to tell me again uh, why I should not be worried about uh, clinching this right. series against the Bucks. No, well, you're a worrier anyway, right? Not a worrier, a realist. That the hardest game to win is game four, and I don't want to count these chickens till they're hatched. I feel right. very optimistic. If I'm a betting man, I right. think the Raptors win game six, but I want to see it with my eyes before I celebrate. Well, you so. will on Saturday. And I don't want to think ahead. I don't want to think about why? Golden State because I don't want to have thoughts of Golden State and then you lose in seven to the box. Like I'd rather you th- get you th- that done first. You think then- you think that if you if you're thinking about Golden State, oh, that, no, no, that, no, no, that no. Tele- telekinetically the Raptors players and management are going to be thinking of Golden State and then there's there's going to be uh, no, up no, on their no. other shoulder is going to go stop thinking about Golden State. No, 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 more my emotional uh, health like right. my it's nothing to do with me. And I'm telling you not to worry. Okay. I'm telling you not to worry. Okay. Because the way the Raptors have been playing defensively, they're going to stop Milwaukee even if they're not shooting well. But the difference is this, that crowd, maybe for the first time in Toronto sports history, think about this, that crowd will have a huge effect on the outcome of the game, but more importantly, the start of the game, a clinching game, a a game which if you win with the support of the home crowd, you will be going to uncharted waters. They've never been to an NBA final before. Come on, folks. If someone said to you, your enthusiasm, your noise, your support will propel this team, will catapult this team past the Milwaukee Bucks, you're not into that. You're not telling me you can't do something about it? You can, Mike. Sixth man. Absolutely. 
100%. Now you've got it. Most Toronto fans don't have this in them. They don't know what to do. I'm worried. Okay, and see, what happens is, if God forbid in game six, the Raptors uh, get outscored 9 nothing in the first couple minutes of the game, these are the fans that all of a sudden go, and they sit on their hands. They say nothing. You're the type of fan that goes, oh, we're only down nine. We were down 14 in Milwaukee. We're at home. Let's go. Let's go. And before you know it, the Raptors have gone on a 10-0 run. It's 10-9. And then from there, they're gone. So don't worry. Okay. Trust me. All right? <laughs> now, can I talk baseball? Yes. I was going to go to four games this week. Four Jays games. After we went off the air, after we did our show on Monday, on holiday Monday, that's Victoria Day here in Canada, by the way, Charlie Montoyo. <laughs> and Ross Atkins, and that was just a disaster anyway. Oh, hopefully at, we'll talk about that. Right at, we're going to. But after that announcement was made, after we got off the air, I was going to go that afternoon, and I said, wait a second, what do you mean no Vladdy Guerrero? What, well, he's hurt? What is it? What's wrong? He, he's fearful. He doesn't, uh, he, he celebrates Victoria Day by not playing. It, what, what does he do? He goes to church? Or what, like, what exactly is it? So I didn't go to that game because I was pissed. I was like, I want to go see Vladdy. He just came back off. He hit four homers in six games. You know the whole backstory. So I didn't go to that game. But, Tuesday night I go with my buddy Jeff, right? We've got great seats. We're sitting in the second row. The Raptors game is on. I would keep an eye on that, but it was a, it was a, you know, a decent game. You know, decent, I guess. They won. Um, and then, you know, sitting next to me, I told you, were these, uh, oh, I didn't mention it on the podcast. I mentioned it on the pre-show, on the red carpet show uh, today, that I met uh, Gabriel and uh, Scott, a couple of guys who were sitting in the seats next to you. You know, when you're sitting at a baseball game for nine innings, you get to know the people around you if they're nice people. Right. Right. If they're idiots, you just want to, you want them to leave <laughs> right, or get thrown out or something to that effect. But uh, so nice guys, you're talking baseball, stuff like that. And, uh, and I'm getting them like, you know, give me your devices so I can say, so you've got a podcast. What's it about? So give me your, you know, I'm signing them up for Hebsey on sports. But anyway, good game. You know, we had a good time and, uh, and then, you know, went out onto, uh, onto Bremner Boulevard and, you know, checked out the Raptor crowd. That was great. We had a really good time. And then the next night I took my brother for his birthday and we went and saw the game on uh, Wednesday, which was, 27 innings, was it? 12 innings, 14 <laughs> innings? What, it was a crazy game. Ridiculous game. And you witnessed Jays. history because... We saw Vladdy Guerrero's first home run at home. Right. What a shot that one was. But here's the other thing. When you're at the ballpark, they have the exit velocity on every freaking pitch, even a foul ball. Well, the exit velocity on that foul ball. I mean, and it just becomes a running joke. With flex, you know, the exit <laughs> velocity. It was the exit velocity on that. And now it's just become a part of... It's like it was up until this year... When they showed the stat cast thing, when you showed every pitch, they would show you the miles per hour. That was 79. That was, they don't do that now. They do it occasionally, but they just don't do it. They don't add the... So what they've done is they've replaced the miles per hour on every pitch with the exit velocity of every ball hit. Here's a dribbler down the third baseline. What's the exit velocity on that one? Swing and a miss. Exit velocity zero. So this has now become part of the lexicon. It's just part of your, you know, here's how many homers, here's how many RBIs, here's these average exit velocity. It's just another stat to put out there. I know a hard hit ball when I see a hard hit ball, right? That was a screaming Mimi. Yeah, how fast? <laughs> well, 102 kilometers an hour or miles an hour. Well, that's not very fast. So I have Vladdy had one 118. Yeah, but did you see that play? I mean, you can tell the difference between 102 and 118 when a guy dives and goes horizontal and makes a great stab. Okay, that's fine if you can. Um, so anyway, I do that. We go to the game, uh, the uh, Wednesday game, which was the 14-inning uh, game, 13-inning game. And then yesterday, uh, I go and uh, grab a ticket for the game and then not realizing that it was kids' day and 36,000 fans, <laughs> of which 35,000 were screaming kids. Every pop-up. Every pop-up was, oh, it's going to be a home run. Right. So these are obviously kids that had not been to the game before, but it heard all the hype about Vladdy and everything like that. I guess they were just there to see Vladdy. Thank God Vladdy played. <laughs> That's right. Because my th here's what I'm thinking. After that 13-inning game the night before, I'm thinking Charlie Montoyo, he doesn't know. He didn't know about Victoria Day. Ross Atkins didn't tell him. Ross took the blame for that, the importance of Victoria Day. You think Charlie Montoyo was going to go, uh, geez, you know, I, I need to sit Vladdy because, you know, we played 13 innings the night before and he's just a kid and blah, blah, blah. I, imagine if Vladdy wasn't playing yesterday and 35,000 kids who were pretty much there to see Vladdy were like, what the hell? Two disasters in a week. And then, of course, the Jays decide, you know, maybe we should make up for that fiasco, that PR fiasco, by calling up Kevin Biggio and right. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., both from the minor leagues for this weekend series against San Diego, and then all will be forgotten because all these fans that didn't get to see Vladdy on Victoria Day are going to go, ooh, good, Cavan Biggio. Now, nothing against Cavan Biggio, but he's not the hype that Vladdy was. <laughs> Come on. Most of the people I was at the game with this week were like, we haven't seen Vladdy play. We're here to see Vladdy. Every time Vladdy was due up, nobody left their seat. 
Nobody went for a beer, none of that stuff. Even the $5 beer concessions, which, I, which is not easy to find at that place. I heard, I'm yeah. not impressed with Rogers <laughs> Center anyway. They've made some changes this year. They added the $5 beer. St- security is still, I, I hate it. It's a joke there. I think what the Jays need to do is tell their fans, folks, you can enter at any gate. You can enter at any gate. You don't right. all have to go to gates five and six, which is down by the Ted Rogers statue down there on the south end. Because that's what happens is, is that everybody's like, like 10 minutes after the game has started, there's still a huge lineup of people trying to get through gates five and six, of which there's, I don't know, there's maybe 10, maybe 12 lines to go through individually. I mean, you just say, folks, say over there, gate three, nobody there. See, the, when you're first at the north end, gate 11 and 12, or one, there's no one there. There's all these gates. You should be able to walk into any gate as long as you've got a ticket and then find your seat from there. Then someone's going to go, sure, it's up the stairs or it's down the ramp or whatever. But this idea that there's eight people going into gates three and four and 8,000 people trying to get in gates five and six, two minutes to game time is ridiculous. It's terrible. But the $5 beer is the best deal going. But they don't advertise it. Like they don't, you don't walk around and say, $5 beer here. There's how, no, how big a there's no sign. Oh, the kiosk flat. is fairly small. It's just Bud and Bud Light. If I, can I mention the name? I guess I can. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> and it's just those two beers and it's five bucks. And meanwhile, at your seats, it's fourteen seventy five or thirteen seventy, whatever it is. Ridiculous. Crazy. That's why people like sip a beer for nine innings. It's so damn expensive. Right. So, so a couple of $5 brewskis is a great deal. Right, that doesn't make up though for the atmosphere there. I feel you know it's just it's so quiet and there's just mm, no mm, there's no baseball atmosphere. I was in Philadelphia. They've got I mean, there's first of all number one thing is if you're going to eat, provide places where people maybe they don't want to go back to their seats with their food, but they still want to be able to watch the game on a big screen or something like that. Provide that every other ballpark I've been to is an area where you can sit and watch a big screen, and then when you know after a half inning you've eaten your food or you had your beer or whatever, then you can go back to your seats. But they don't have that there. So people are standing around. They're standing, like, looking, you know, in the concourse area there. There's some small TV screens, so when you're lined up for your concessions, you can look up. But they just, and, and, you know, they've got to find a way. And, and what, what Adkins and Shapiro were doing with the ball club, with the players, you know, and their lack of PR, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Savvy? Uh, Savvy would be a good one. You know, aptitude. Awareness. Uh, you know, awareness. Uh, you know, yeah, all of that type of thing. Um, they just they just don't seem to have it. They seem to be sticking their heads in the sand. I mean, so can I ask you a specific question? So on Monday yeah. when it was Victoria Day, yeah. holiday Monday, and Vlad that was a Vladdy had just gone on the road and got hot on the road. He yeah, four homers in six games. Four homers in five and a half games because one of the games was rained out after five innings. Right after so four he, half innings, he basically white hot on the road. Yeah. And he comes back and it's holiday Monday. Right, so it's an afternoon game. And but they knew, working. but they knew in advance. They that was his scheduled day off. But well that's my in point. Advance. So what is your official? Because I've shared my opinion on Twitter, which is I feel that was a that was tone deaf of oh, management to oh, completely. Well, so, completely, uh, but, but I got I got some boat. people would would chime up and say, "Oh, baseball players take this is overblowing. Baseball players rest all the time and blah blah blah." But I feel like you can rest them on the uh, Tuesday when the Raptors are playing and it's well, not a the, holiday. Monday. I don't think the Raptor thing had anything to do with it. I think the thing was this: you looked at the schedule, say, "Well, that's his scheduled day off," and they went, "You know, well, it's a holiday Monday." You know, whether it's, crowd. whether it's Victoria Day, whether it's the August 1st long weekend Monday of the um, Simcoe Day, whether it's the July 1st long weekend Monday, there are only so many holiday Mondays. We know Labor Day, we know July 1st, we know August 1st. And in our case, it's not Memorial Day in the States, which is next Monday. It's Victoria Day. So for someone at the beginning of the season, when the schedule came out to say, oh, when we come back off this road trip, ooh. Our first game back off the road trip is Victoria Day. Now, it's not like the Jays have never played a home game on Victoria Day before. None of that crap. They've done it. It's a holiday. It's a 115 start. Major League Baseball went 115 start. Oh, that's your holiday in Canada. Okay, we're going to give you guys a 115 start for your holiday Monday. And for somebody in the organization to not go, uh, by the way, let's make sure that Vlandy's playing. That day, especially like, I'm surprised got, that that game wasn't Vladdy Guerrero bobblehead day or something right. like that. And I think what's significant here is that he, when he went on the road, where was it, uh, California, San and Francisco, Chicago, and Chicago yeah. yeah, and he caught fire and started hitting dongers. You know, he had no homers when he hit the road. Right. Uh, I think that's a significant detail here is that the 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 the, the, the Vladdy, I mean, the chosen one, right. goes off, gets hot, comes home. 
what an appetite. That was the second biggest crowd of the year that came out to see Vladdy on Victoria Day, and he didn't get a, not even a not DH, even a pinch, not, not even, even a, a pinch hit. Right. Like, they, they could, you're right. They could have DH'd him. Uh, they could have realized, here's the thing is, yeah. they knew that morning, they knew that the public outcry had already begun. They knew, I, we got out, what time did we finish recording? 10.30 in the morning? Yeah. And just after that, they had started batting practice right around then, and then the announcement was, they, they post the lineup card. Right. Right, 12.30 game, right? So yep. they post the lineup card at 10.30 in the morning. And on the lineup card, he wasn't on there. So immediately, it's, word starts to spread. So people knew, I knew that I wasn't going to go down. People who were on their way down that may not have heard, you're on the subway, you don't get it. You come off the subway, you got your family, it's Victoria Day, they're going, yeah. tell us about this Vladdy Carrero, we got a daddy, you want to see Vladdy, play Vladdy, Vladdy. Uh, he's not playing today. How do you explain that to a kid? What do you mean he's not playing? Dad, what do you mean he's not playing? Dad, we're off school today. It's a holiday. No, he's not playing that day. Dad, what's wrong with the Blue Jays management? Why don't they realize a potential uh, PR disaster here, fiasco, and do so? They could have changed their mind. They could have gone down to Charlie Montoya and said, Charlie, we screwed up. We're getting a big crowd today. Can you, uh, can you take, whoever the DH was, can you take Drury or Telez or whatever out of the DH? Can you give it to Vladdy, right? Can we do that? Or how about this? You realize your mistake, and then maybe you pinch hit Flatty for whoever was playing third base, Drury. Maybe you say, we're going to pinch hit F. Sorry, Brandon, but they came to see Vladdy. No offense, Brandon. You're a right-handed batter. Vladdy's a right-handed batter. He's going to play third. We made a mistake. Right. Right? You can take the day off the rest of the day. That, or they could have said to Vladdy, you know, we need you that day, so you're not going to play on the Sunday in Chicago, or you're not going to play on the Tuesday. But he had to be in the lineup there. Big mistake. And then Atkins, of course, throwing him under the bus, Charlie under the bus, saying, we didn't, we didn't uh, express the importance to Charlie Montoyo of Victoria Day. Come on. Yeah. The importance of Victoria Day? Sogard was a late scratch from the lineup that day, and he could have right. been, uh, they could have put in Vladdy. They could have done a million things. They could have admitted to their mistake. They could have pinch hit for him. They could have made him the DH. He didn't even get a pinch hit. He didn't even get a chance to be introduced to the big crowd. You're losing, what was it, 10 to 2 or something? Now batting, pinch hitting in the ninth inning. Pinch yeah. hitting now, number 27, it's, Vladimir uh, Guerrero Jr. Yeah. All right, we came to see Vladdy. Okay, so what if he strikes out on three pitches? Just take three swings. Yeah. And you can say you saw Vladdy. I know. Yeah, we saw him in the dugout. And the other thing, too, is if he's the designated Gatorade thrower on the team. He's a designated Gatorade thrower. Hazel May must go through 20 dresses a year of her own collection, getting doused by Gatorade by... It's going to be Vladdy, every, unless he's the player of the game. He's going to be the dousing, the Gatorade dowser. Right. The other thing was, what was the other one? They showed him doing something else. It was like, I'm trying to think what it was. But he was doing something in the dugout where I was like, wait, if he can do that in the dugout, why can't he just play? I, I forget what he was doing. Oh, I know. He was high-fiving. Someone hit a home run. Or, no, no. I know what it was. <laughs> he took over from Teoscar Hernandez as the designated sunflower seed oh. um, um, guy right. with the double bags of sunflower seeds. He, and I said, well, if he's healthy enough to douse Luke Maley with uh, sunflower seeds on his home run, he's healthy enough to like go to the play DH or something. Ridiculous. Crazy. Remember when ball players played every day? Sure. Cal Ripken. <laughs> Cal Ripken. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so let's get back to this, uh, so the Jays game. So now I'm watching Charlie Montoyo, and I know I'm going to give him a break. He's never managed in the majors before, and I, he only has so much to deal with on the roster. He can only look down his bench and go, hey, one of my choices here, and think about this, he used to have Socrates Brito and Alan Hansen as choices. Now he's got this kid, Jonathan Davis, who is not, clearly not ready for Major League Baseball. He can't hit this broadside of a barn. So the other night, we're at the game, I believe it was Tuesday's game, leading off for the Blue Jays, batting 091, center fielder Jonathan Davis. When I saw that, I thought, is Charlie Montoyo out of his mind? Of all the players you pick for your leadoff hitter, folks, follow me on this. You're putting a lineup together. You're hoping that when the lineup turns over, back to the top of the order, you've got your best hitters there. So what you're doing is you're giving a guy with an 091 batting average, and I believe his on-base percentage was also 091. He was like two for 22 or whatever the number was. You've got the gall to tell people who have paid good money to see your team play that your leadoff hitter, the guy that's going to get up to the plate more than any other guy on the team, is Jonathan Davis hitting 091? Folks, this is what happens. That guy bats ninth, if at all. You hit him last because he's hitting 091. You don't want to come up in a situation where you've turned the lineup over and you're going, oh, good, Davis is coming up with the bases loaded. Have you seen this guy? He's not ready. 
He's got too long a swing. He has real trouble making contact. He's a sucker for the off-speed or the, the, the pitches in the dirt. He has no command of the strike zone, yet he's your leadoff hitter. This is, how, this is how thin the Blue Jays are in the outfield. The two guys they called up, Kavan Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., they're going to put in the outfield. Between the two of them, they have six games of experience in the outfield. Six. This is in AAA. Six games in the outfield. And what are they doing? They're replacing Billy McKinney, maybe one of the worst outfielders I ever saw, got sent to Buffalo, may never come back again, right? And Richard Urania, who's your designated uh, uh, Munenori Kawasaki this year, the, the fifth infielder, whatever, back and for the mascot kind of a guy. But, I mean, here's your outfield. Here's, here's what the Jays have. Randall Grichik. Wait a minute. Let me think now. They got Grichik. <laughs> Did I mention Grichik? Is a, Grichik's an outfielder, right? They got Grichik and who else? That's it. Jonathan Davis. That's it. That's it. Nobody else in the outfield. Kevin Pillar is gone. Teoscar Hernandez may never come back. He's having his own problems in Buffalo. And he's not much of an outfielder anyway. You tried Brandon Drury out there. McKinney's been sent down. What choices do you have now? You're going to have to say to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or Kevin Biggio, guys, you're going to have to learn the outfield position at the major league level. This is what you're going to have to do. This is all we've got. This is what Alex Anthopoulos left the organization with when he went all in to get, you know, I don't have to tell you, to get all those guys. We'll never David forget. David Prices and you know, all the other, Troy Tulowitzki's, whatever it is, all those guys, you left the cupboard bare. And now the, the, the organization has a big problem. They have to draft outfielders. They've got the first, they got the 11th pick, I think, in the upcoming draft. They have to draft an outfielder. They have to. Everyone wants pitching. They don't have any outfielders. When you yeah, start, but you can't draft by position if you're first pick. Don't you have to pick the best guy? They don't have the first pick. I mean, first round pick. No, uh, this year, the first four or five, maybe three guys are really outstanding players. Okay. And then after that, it's like, you know, take your pick. Usually it's the best available athlete. Right. Who, at, when you draft someone, you could draft them as a, uh, look, they drafted Dave Steve as a pitcher, as an outfielder, they turn him into a pitcher. Right. So you can always do that. By the way, Anthony Ghost is pitching. He's pitching in like a ball. Still oh. not just pitching. Um, so this is what they got left. So now Montoyo looks and he goes, oh my God, no Socrates Brito, but I can use, you know, Jonathan Davis. Where are your major league outfielders? Maybe you make a deal for an outfielder. I, you know, I, I, the Eric Sogard of outfielders. I don't know. But their outfield the other night was Davis in center field, um, McKinney in left, I think, and Drury in right because um, Grichik had the day off. Maybe the worst outfield that they've ever put out there. Ever, ever put out there. So now Biggio and or Guriel are going to have to learn to play the outfield at the major league level because your your infield is set. You got Smoke at first or Telez, the other guy DHs. You got uh, what's his name Sogard at second for a while anyway. You got Freddie Gallivis at short, and you've got uh, Vladdy at third. There you go. So I don't know. I don't know. Not real happy on this Jonathan Davis guy. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Well, he was he lead can. singer for Corn. Come on, stop it. Corn with a K. Right. <laughs> got it. Um. What else? Oh, yeah. This weekend, the San Diego Padres come to town. And by the way, some Canadian content here. Cal Quantrill, son of Paul Quantrill, Port Hope, Ontario, uh, will pitch uh, Saturday, I believe, for the Padres. And making his major league debut this weekend, Josh Naylor of Mississauga, Ontario, who was the Padres' number one pick uh, a couple years ago. How's that? Amazing. So... Maybe you went on Victoria Day, you wanted to see Vladdy, you didn't get to see Vladdy this weekend, come out and see the young kids. Kevin Biggio uh, will make his first appearance as a Blue Jay, and uh, the Canadian boys, the, uh, the other kids, uh, Josh Naylor of San Diego, and um, I can only name two guys on the San Diego Padres, and those are the two guys, Cal Quantrill and Josh Naylor. Oh, and Manny Machado, of course. Um, yeah. Now, hockey. I first met Dennis Smith when he was a 19-year-old defenseman who had been called up by the Leafs in 1997. Dennis Smith. Oh, call me DJ, he said. Oh, okay, D, whatever. Sure. Well, that's who it is. He's now DJ Smith. Uh, DJ lasted a total of eight games with the Leafs that year. And after a few seasons in St. John's, Newfoundland, he came back to the Leafs at the age of 22. He was only 19 in the first time. And he played three more games for the Leafs in the big leagues. And then he was traded to Nashville, and he eventually ended up in Colorado, where he played another 34 games and that was it. He had uh, concussion problems, and then he had a serious knee injury and had to retire at the age of 26. So when you've played hockey your whole life and you cannot play anymore at the age of 26, what do you do? He went into coaching and did a heck of a job with the Windsor Spitfires for, uh, I think, three championships, and then eventually en ended up as an assistant with the Toronto Maple Leafs under Mike Babcock, and now is the new coach of the Ottawa Senators, of which I do believe they interviewed 175 people. 
It seemed that way. Patrick Waugh. <laughs> now, right. now all, of all the guys he interviewed, I'm thinking, you know, a guy like Patrick Waugh would have cost them a few mil for Patrick Waugh, and they would have had to put up with Patrick Waugh's nonsense as, as he's Patrick Waugh and his petulance and stuff like that. Or they could have gotten, for probably a lot less money, DJ Smith, who, to my knowledge, does not speak French, but I... I I don't think it's as big no, of a deal. No, it's not a big deal. In not Ottawa. as big of a deal, and certainly not in Ottawa as it is in Montreal. And even no. in Montreal, they had lots of Anglophone coaches. Um, but by the same token, DJ Smith never met a microphone he didn't like. And you may not realize this because he was muzzled when he was an assistant coach, as most of them are, for not saying anything. You can't go to the assistant coaches and say, hey, tell us about this and that. That's, that's the head coach's job. That's his job or the director of media. That's it, but not the assistant coaches. Right. So uh, much like the backbencher politicians, you know, um, you're not allowed to say anything. You know, don't say a word. You know, like Harper, you never heard from a Harper backbencher in Canada. It was always Harper. Right. So in this case here, DJ Smith, you, people didn't realize, don't realize what a interesting guy he is. And, and he's funny and he wants them to have fun and all that. So he'll be the most quoted guy in all of Ottawa, even more than Trudeau. He will. He's going to be there. What did DJ have to say about this? Anyway, good for him. Uh, good guy. Good sense of humor. Uh, loves to uh, develop young players. And he'll have plenty of opportunity to develop young players in Ottawa because that whole organization is just, oy, you know. And uh, Pierre Dorian, you know, I'm not going to say the greatest GM in the world, far from it, but the guy has had to deal with his owner, Eugene Melnick, and who knows what restrictions he's under. And Anyway, good luck to uh, DJ Smith. Formerly Dennis Smith. DJ Smith. Uh, time now for Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades. All the top players skate on Titan Blades. And maybe you should too. No, not maybe. Damn it. Skate on Titan Blades. They bring the pro shop to you. You send them the, you send them the blades, they, they sharpen it. Right? You don't have to worry about the guy down at the corner there who doesn't know how to sharpen. The guy does it in his basement. You know, yeah, I got a couple of ankle knives, and then I'll do your skates. Your tackleberries. No. Go to TitanBlades.com. Skate faster, be better. At the World Hockey Championship yesterday, Team Canada was four-tenths of a second from being eliminated by Denmark in the quarterfinals. Denmark! Did I say Switzerland before? It, it was Switzerland. Oh, it was Switzerland. Yeah, it wasn't why, Denmark. Why do I think Denmark and Switzerland are the same country? <laughs> Honest to God, I'm so sorry about that. I apologize to all Danes and all Swiss. Yeah, we got to buy you are a, they not, uh, an atlas. Are they not? No, no, no. Are they not alike, though? Like, why did I think that Denmark was like Switzerland? In They're not the, that alike. You're thinking its, of in Sweden and Denmark. No, 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 no. I'm thinking in its neutrality, in its kind of, you know, Denmark has never been known as a power in anything. And same with kind of Switzerland. My mistake. Anyway, <laughs> my apologies. One of those things. It's Switzerland. Of course, it's Switzerland. The same Swiss that knocked off Canada, right? Right. Last year. Anyway, thank right. you for that. And I'll never make that distinction again, that, that mistake again, that there's a big difference between Geneva and <laughs> Copenhagen and all that kind of stuff. There. Right. So they knocked off Switzerland in the quarterfinals, right? Hockey is a 60-minute game, folks. And as the Canadians scrambled madly in the dying uh, seconds with their net empty, uh, Damon Severson deflected a shot that rolled agonizingly towards the goal line. Two seconds, one second. <clears throat> the buzzer went off as the puck was entering the net. You needed video replay. Thank God for that one. And then when it went to video replay, it confirmed it was a good goal at 19.59 plus six tenths. Now, you can't put that on the scoreboard, but that's how it should have read. Time of the goal, 19.59 and six tenths of a second. If anyone listening has not seen this yet, uh, find it. Like, it's find on Twitter or YouTube, whatever, yeah. because it's unbelievable. I've never seen... I've never seen a goal scored Not like that. at that time. And like I that. believe Canada has now scored three times in this tournament, like in the last two seconds or something. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's fantastic to be able to pull. They were, they were four-tenths of a second away from being eliminated by the Swiss. Right, in the quarterfinals. By the guy, the people, that, by the Swiss. Lint chocolate and all that <laughs> stuff. Again, Roger Federer's home country. Little teeny little place. They make army knives and they have Alps. Right. And chocolate. And that's it. Come on. Like, our, we're Canada. We're hockey. So this is what we had, to, that we almost lost four-tenths of a second. Then, of course, you knew as soon as they tied it that that was it for the, uh, the Swiss. That was it. There was no way they were going to come back from that. That was staggering. The looks on their faces were like, what? I can't believe it. And then, of course, Mark Stone scored in overtime. And now Canada gets to play the Czech Republic in the semifinals. Czech Republic knocked off Germany 5-1. to one. That semifinal goes at 1.15 p.m. on Saturday. Canada-Czech Republic. The earlier game will feature Russia and Finland. At 9.15 Saturday morning, Russia beat the U.S. 4-3 in a thriller. And Finland, in another thriller, needed overtime to beat Sweden 5-4. And you know when the Finns play the Swedes, 
it's always a good battle, and it was yesterday as well. Right. So, Mike, if you're from Canada, would you rather play the Russians or the Finns in the final? Because I'm going to assume Canada will beat the Czech Republic. Always fun to play the Russians. Uh, yeah. Canada versus Russia. I'd go for that. Yeah, Canada Russia would be good. Canada Finland would also be good, but we don't have the same hate on. For no, you can't hate. And hate the no, no, hate and hate's not the right word anymore. This is 1972. We don't no, I still hate the Russians. Why? I just find it easy, and it's 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 a fun habit to keep. Really? I'm uh, I'm all for beating up on the Russians. Fun. Yeah. It's fun to hate the Russians. <laughs> it's fun. But to I hate, hate the, the Americans too. So it's not just an anti-Russian thing. Yeah. And is it for the I same reasons? I love hating the Russians because they're a big big both countries. Are they a Russia bunch, and bunch America. Of big babies. Bunch of because they're a bunch of big babies. The Americans are a bunch of babies, right? They whine and they <laughs> nye, nye, nye. and they were the ones who destroyed the hotel room years ago. The ugly Americans. Remember fun to in beat the World them. Cup? It is fun to beat the Americans, isn't it? <laughs> By the way, Tony Canuck says, hi from St. Catharines. Ah, Tony from St. Catharines, one of the all-time greats. Uh, in golf, it's the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. 32-year-old Calgarian Roger Sloan is one shot off the lead held by Tony Finau. Roger Sloan, of all the Canadian golfers, you've heard of him before? No, nope. sounds years old like a Calgary. soap opera actor. Roger Sloan. He's ranked 112th in the FedEx Cup standings. He shot a 500 par 65, trails Finau by one. Mackenzie Hughes of Dundas, Ontario. And by the way, our sponsor is Titan Blades from Dundas, Ontario. I mentioned that? Jim and Donnie and Tyler from, from Titan Blades. Dundas, or you used to live right around the corner from me on Hat Street in Dundas. There's yeah. nice waterfalls near there, right? Am oh, I yeah. in the right place? Jews yeah. Falls is beautiful. Uh, Webster's Falls, gorgeous. Yeah. I, I actually found, I actually discovered a waterfall there once, a couple of years ago in the spring. Um, there was a, some serious runoff. It had, uh, it had gotten quite warm, and a lot of the snow and ice had melted. And uh, I'm trekking through on my way to Two's Falls, and I hear what sounds to me like a waterfall fairly close by. What happened? It was a it was um, a, just a natural waterfall that had developed through these rocks where there was a runoff and a fair bit of water. You know, I would say maybe 12, 10, 12 feet high, cascading down through these rocks. And this, I'm going. Oh, never seen this before i don't know how long it would last for but it was pretty cool and it was coming down pretty good so i took some pictures of this i called it hebsey's falls and then i went back two days later and it was done it was gone it was dried up uh-huh. but for the time it was pretty neat it was like i don't think anyone's seen this waterfall before yeah amazing part of the part of the yeah it's pretty nice uh how did we get it to waterfalls well we were talking dundas. about dundas ontario and Mackenzie hughes from dundas ontario shot a 200 par 68 and he's in the hunt as well at the uh, charles schwab challenge where i'm wondering if you've got to have some uh, financial acumen to get into that tournament. <laughs> yeah, what do you have to? You know, it's the Schwab. Hey, is this the Schwab challenge? Just the name Schwab. I like saying the name Schwab. <laughs> um, and another Canadian had a good day on the links. This was at Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Your humble narrator, out for the first time this year, made a double bogey on the first hole. Despite driving it right down the middle, I made double bogey on the first hole. And from that point forward, thirteen bogeys, four pars, and a nice tidy eighty-seven. My first time out this year. Amazing. Very happy with that. And I beat my good friend Nikki by two shots. And I have to tell you, Mike, it was a little chilly that day. It's turning so much nicer. But the course is in beautiful shape. The views are outstanding. You get a you get a fantastic look at the Niagara Escarpment. There's a split in the escarpment. If you look to your left, you see Rattlesnake Point. Beautiful. And if you look to your right, you see Mount Nemo. And that's where the um the um Niagara Escarpment continues and goes all the way down through to Niagara. Absolutely beautiful. Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. Go to crosswindsgolf.com and enjoy the splendor there. I'll see you out at the, uh, at the You course. should do. I told you, on Periscope, do the live stream just so we can see you out there Do you think so? Time. Honestly, can I, I was that? hoping you would do it. Would uh, you guys be in favor? Like, if I, next time I go out, if I live streamed my, I'm not going to show the whole round. No, but just, uh, just one drive or something. Just one drive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, here I am punting for birdie. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, be, I could really embarrass myself, though. Crosswinds would love it, Because if it's live... You can't take it back. It's not like, I was like oh, edit that out. No, there's Look, no editing. Sorry, Abzi, there's no editing. Tony Canuck says he'd watch. <laughs> okay, that's one. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, go to crosswindsgolf.com uh, and enjoy uh, everything they got. Fully stocked pro shop. They got a fabulous food at the Pe- Pebblestone Pub. Really great. In tennis, Milos Raonic is out of the French Open with a knee injury. He hasn't played since March 24th in Miami. However, there will be some Canadian content. Felix Auger-Aliassime is into the semis at Lyon, France. He's in action today in the semifinals against the number one seed. He'll certainly be one to watch on the red clay at Paris. Denis Shapovalov was beaten in the quarters yesterday at Lyon. Uh, he's got a bit of work to do as well, but both the young Canadians will be worth keeping an eye on for sure. And the same goes for Bianca Andrescu, who we haven't seen since her magical run back in March when she won at Indian Wells. 
uh, and then had to uh, uh, go down with a shoulder injury. So she'll be back in action as well. Uh, by the way, no TV coverage in Canada of these, uh, this Masters 250 event in Lyon with Felix and with Dennis. Very disappointed in um, TSN, of course, when, you know, they don't have the men's except for the majors. But the zone, which is supposed to have all this stuff, I know they have all the women's, I mean, and they're showing another event from, uh, I'm trying to think where, somewhere else in Europe. Uh, but they, but they're not showing this event with two Canadians. Why would, why would I subscribe to Dazone Canada if I can't watch the two Canadians play? I just assume and Felix. You'd be able to pick. Which no, they don't you give you. Watch. They only give you one. They give you all the women's ones. You can, you know, watch sixteen different women's events. Choose one. But they only had one men's event, and we, they didn't have them in Lyon. So I just thought, uh, and the Tennis Channel had it. The Tennis Channel has it, but you can't subscribe to the Tennis Channel in Canada. You cannot subscribe to the Tennis Channel. Amazing. Yeah. You got to find out why DAZN didn't show it. We well, find I'm trying to. There. I'm trying. I even asked Tennis Canada to help. And they were like, yeah, you're right, Mark. But you oh, I know, done anything I know about a guy it. at Tennis Canada. We'll, well see you know, find out what the hell's going on. Okay. You know, I want an answer. I want, I'm not going to invest myself in Canadian tennis if I'm not going to be able to see the important matches. I'll get an well, if answer. It's not a fir- if it's a first-round match, I'm fine. You're in the quarters or semifinals. Put the damn match on television, for crying out loud. Uh-huh. The Stanley Cup Finals does not begin until Monday as the Bruins host the St. Louis Blues in a rematch of that 1970 final. Now, the famous iconic picture, right? The cup-winning goal was scored by Bobby Orr. The iconic photo is Bobby Orr has just scored the goal, and he is leaping for joy, and he is horizontal. And stuck in the blade of his, uh, of his skate is the stick of one Noel Picard, number four, who's got kind of a look on his face, resigned to the fact that the, that's it, no more hockey this year. And the goaltender is Glenn Hall, who like in a split second reached out to try to stop a pass, and boom, the puck is by him. And he's, kind of, he's about to hang on to the, uh, to the crossbar with his arm, because in those days, goalies didn't go down in the butterfly position. So it's an iconic photo. Right. But what people seem to fail to realize is that was, that was the cup-winning goal but that was in game four. That was to complete a sweep of the Blues, who managed, you know, to take the uh, Bruins into overtime of game four before they were finally eliminated. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the game winner in overtime in game six to clinch it or game seven. This was in game four. Right. So I just want to put things in perspective. It was Bobby Orr. It's an iconic photo. I get that. The Bruins hadn't won the Stanley Cup in like 30 years. So for Bruins fans, hey, Orr scores. The drama of scoring it. As you know, having seen Joe Carter's home run or Kawhi Leonard's shot, the drama of winning a series, right, in overtime or on the last second shot is, you know, you can't match that anywhere. But I just wanted to put that in perspective because everyone now, and I'm included, says, oh, St. Louis is playing Boston. You know the last time they played? It was in 1970. That's when Bobby Orr, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and of course, there's no relation at all. In fact, there's nobody in the St. Louis Blues organization who was there then that's there now. And also, I'll just point out that no one under the age of 50 remembers this moment. No. We only know the photo. Yeah. We know it from history. But, but still, it's nice to know. the. But here's the background but, of the photo. That was game four. That was game four. It was overtime in game four. Right. Four-game sweep by Boston. Right, right. I want to point that out, okay? I'm uh, glad I like, you did. I like the Blues to win uh, the Cup in six Go games. Go As I've been saying all along, Mike, and I know you were a fan of San Jose, and I'd say this is... When a team gets on a run like that, when they come back from the adversity that the St. Louis Blues went through, when every game they've played since January the 3rd, when they were dead last, when every game meant something, and think about this, all of January, February, March, April, May, May now, five months of every game being the most meaningful game they'll ever play. The desperation, the remember where we were, is fantastic. And I give tons of credit to not just Craig Berube, the coach, but guys like Larry Robinson, who was an assistant coach, who when they first fired Mike Yo, they called Larry Robinson, who was, I believe, a consultant with the team. And, they, and he's living in Florida. And they said, Larry, yeah, we need your help. Doug Armstrong, the GM, we need your help. We need you to come here and help Craig Berube behind the bench, right, with this team, get the defense in order, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he did his job. And um, you know, guess what? It helps. Uh, the veteran leadership of guys like Tyler Bozak on that team. Well, you know what else helps when you, your goal, this goalie, Benny Bennington, jo- suddenly, Jordan Bennington yeah, suddenly stands on his head. Yeah, uh, not fantastic. literally, though. No, you need all that. You need him like Patrick Waugh the year that he was a rookie, like Mike Vernon the year he was a rookie, like these guys, you know, stepping up and doing a phenomenal job. And so I like St. Louis to beat Boston uh, for two reasons. I really like the Blues team, but also I'm just sick of Boston. I'm with you on both counts. Sick of Boston, and that's all there is to it. Our trivia question is brought to you by Panthers Original Deli. 
Mike, who hit the most homers in Major League Baseball history while wearing jersey number four? Now, I have a guess, and there's a guess from somebody watching on Periscope. Okay, so my guess is the, I'm going to go with the obvious, yeah. uh, Lou Gehrig. Well, Lou Gehrig would be a good guess, uh, but it's incorrect. And you're, okay. and our friend on uh, Periscope uh, Blue Jays watching, twit. Blue Jays twit. Mel Ott. Mel Ott would be the second best guess. I'm going to tell you what happened. This is the best part. First of all, the answer is Duke Snyder, who wore uh, jersey number four for the Brooklyn and L.A. Dodgers and the New York Mets. Uh, 403 homers while wearing jersey number four. This is the key. While wearing jersey number four. How many homers did Lou Gehrig hit? Lou Gehrig hit 493 home runs. Okay, and how many did... Uh, so, Melot hit 511 oh, home oh, runs. Okay, gotcha. But how many of those home runs did he hit while wearing jersey number four? Well, if you know anything about the story of George Orton, the greatest athlete you've never heard of, a book that I wrote... Numbers were not put on the backs of jerseys or the fronts of jerseys uh, for many years. Now, in football, George Orton came up with the idea in 1914. And that's when college football, pretty much, not every school, but a lot of them started identifying the players by putting numbers on the backs of jerseys. Baseball, a little slow to respond. Like, a lot slow. Like, baseball didn't start till 1929. The New York Yankees were the first team in baseball to put numbers on the backs of the jerseys. And the way they did it was, and you probably know this, the leadoff hitter wore number one, the number two hitter wore number two, Babe Ruth batted third, he wore number three. But prior to 1929, no baseball team wore numbers, which means that guys like Mel Ott and Lou Gehrig, who played in the 20s, played without wearing numbers for a number of years. Interesting. You got that, folks? Very good. So the answer would have been Mel Ott with 511, but Mel Ott did not wear a jersey number from 1926 to 1932. He hit all those home runs. Okay, he hit... He had a total of 362 home runs while wearing jersey number four. That's a trivia question. Lou Gehrig hit a total of 372 home runs while wearing jersey number four because he didn't have a number on between 1925 and 1928. Very good. But Duke Snyder, (laughs) okay, who wore number four also for his entire career almost, hit 403 home runs in total um, while wearing jersey number four. And the answer is Duke Snyder. So there's, see, there you go. You see, he, there were no numbers. That's a trick question, Habsy. It's a trick one. No, it's a fair you question. You tricked us. No, the question was who won the most while wearing jersey number four. And the other thing is, you know, you can go back and do the same thing in sports like hockey. Did they not play hockey in the early days without numbers on the jerseys? I know there's no film of that. Because film didn't even exist. I don't even know anyone took film. But back in the early days there's of the NHL. Of it's 1917, 1918. Did they have numbers on the back? Did they have them on their on the sides? Did every team have numbers? Did they wear white at home and dark on the road? All that kind of stuff. That was all during the evolution of sports. And again, uh, Babe Ruth would step out there. You knew it was Babe Ruth. You didn't need to see a number for Babe Ruth. Well, that's key. But some of the other guys, you were like, well, which guy is this? Who's yeah. this guy? No number. And then, you know, some genius went, maybe we should do what George Orton did in college football and put numbers on the jerseys. But, like, even the New York Giants, who Mel Ott played for, did not add numbers on their jerseys until 1933. Sorry, 32. So the Yankees in 1929. So you could identify the Yankee players by numbers, but the other teams took a while to follow suit. And I believe the last team might have been the Philadelphia A's, and it could have been as late as 1938 that they did not have numbers on their jerseys. Right? Who is that out in left field? I don't know. What number is he? He doesn't have a number. Crazy. Great Nuts. question. Great that question. Good? So that's trivia brought to you by Pantsers Original Deli. Go to pantsersoriginaldeli.com. Time to say goodbye. Wish we had more time. Well, we do have more time. But Longest episode ever. Is it really? It's it all the Raptors' fault. It flew. Episode number 104 of Hebsey on Sports going down in history is the longest ever. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. You can get me at Hebsey Man. Check out my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. You can get it via Indigo, Amazon, or wherever fine books are sold. And tell your friends about this podcast. If you can, write a nice review so that others can discover and enjoy the beauty of Hebsey on sports. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.